When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With everything she does, there's a kind of generosity. You know, she gives herself to it fully. She's always finding new ways to change, alter, redo a song that you know, her fans may have heard for years. She gives pleasure so acutely. That is Pulitzer Prize-winning critic Margot Jefferson talking about jazz singer Ella Fitzgerald, the immortal First Lady of Song. Fitzgerald is one of Jefferson's idols. We're going to hear how Fitzgerald inspired Jefferson and helped make her the woman she is today. I'm Alain Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. If Margot Jefferson's voice sounds familiar, it's because she frequently appears in documentaries about the history of music. Among them, Ken Burns' miniseries, Jazz, and the documentary, Ella Fitzgerald, Just One of Those Things. She's probably best known for her career with the New York Times, where she was a book reviewer, theater critic, and critic at large. Jefferson's second memoir, Constructing a Nervous System, recently came out. In it, she traces the cultural forces that shaped her, including, of course, the artistry of Ella Fitzgerald. Listen and learn why Ella Fitzgerald and Margot Jefferson are among Seneca's 100 women to hear. I'm speaking today with Margot Jefferson, award-winning author, professor, and jazz enthusiast. Welcome, Margot. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Oh, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Well, Margot, I know that you're also an extraordinary authority on Ella Fitzgerald, whom you greatly admire, that first lady of song about whom you've written. 
Could we talk some about her? Because she's such an iconic figure in American music. Yes, the fir- the first lady of almost any kind of song. <laughs> yes. Well, what made her so legendary, and why should she be remembered? Well, you know, with a musical artist, first of all, there's you know there there's the instrument. There is that lovely, um, clean, clear, beautifully pitched voice. There is a combination of of virtuosity. Um, she can give you long lines. She can scat. She can, you know, jump and give you lots of percussive. Uh, so you've got the virtuosity, but there, with everything she does, there's a kind of generosity. You know, she gives herself to it fully. She, she thinks of new ways. I, I said in uh, my piece on her that her mind is her music laboratory, her mind in her ear. She's always finding new ways to change, alter, redo a song that, you know, her fans may have heard for years. So there's also that kind of, um, a kind of constant curiosity within herself, but a kind of, of respect for the audience too. Uh, she gives pleasure so acutely, uh, and she doesn't intimidate when she gives pleasure, does she? It's fascinating to hear you talk about her already. I, I wonder, is there an aspect of her life uh, or career that more people should know about? I, I think so. And I discovered this um, after she died in um, 1996, I think it was. And I was asked by the New York Times to write a piece about her. And I, I started thinking more and researching more. Uh, we, we, meaning her fans and listeners, have taken that what appears to be this kind of even temperament um, and this lack of telling stories and tense stories about her life. That's made us take her a little bit for granted. Uh, she's often been compared to Billie Holiday, who is also a great artist, but mm-hmm. to Ella's detriment, it was often, oh, you know, Lady, Lady Day puts everything into her songs, her heart, her suffering. And, and Ella, she just doesn't have that you know, emotional reach. And maybe she didn't have that experience. Well, she had um, a very hard early life. She was orphaned. She was abused by a stepfather. She ran away from home. She got sent to um, uh, a facility, let us call it, for girls in upstate New York, where she was, again, um, abused. She ran away. She was a professional, and she was determined to be a singer. She ran away. She came back to New York. She, you know, stood outside of, you know, every um, ballroom and jazz club around. She listened to records obsessively. She trained her voice and she was a working musician Mm. by the precocious age of 16. She chose never to, to talk, to make these painful experiences into a kind of legend or a tragedy, which I think took um, a certain amount of of pride uh, and and a kind of self-respect. But I think um, I think we need to remember that, and we need to remember that every human being, particularly every artist, um, they they use their own particular style and temperament to um, to convey uh, what went on in their life. Um, Ella could be very m- melancholy; she could do um, very sweetly sad versions of songs, but she wasn't going to give you intense confessions. And there's always a little bit of reserve there. Not coldness, I would say, but reserve. Mm-hmm. 
Well, in your latest memoir, Creating a Nervous System, you tell your story through the musicians and creators who shaped you. How did Ella Fitzgerald uh, help shape the person you are, Margot? Well, you know, first, in my early years when I was listening to her as a pre-adolescent, um, she brought out, and that did shape me, certain insecurities and um, that had very much to do with being uh, a young girl in, in the 1950s, you know, with all these rigid constructs and rules and definitions of what made women interesting and worthwhile. Um, I knew she was wonderfully talented. The records were in my house, but I was like so many young girls. I was obsessed with, um, with glamour, with desirability. Uh, and Ella, she was nice looking. She dressed nicely, but she was portly. Um, you know, she, she was, yes, 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 mm -hmm. yes, yes. Um, and in that way, not glamorous. And she never, exuded um sexuality that's you know again if you were listening to a record to a recording of a song you could hear it but never in her performances so i was torn between feeling um oh my goodness it's like you know the librarian um <laughs> and being embarrassed uh, and i think that really was um intensified by my being a young black woman at a time that there were so uh. few you know, um, images, desirable, exciting, um, compelling images. Uh, so her weight, there was, you know, uh, think of Aunt Jemima, the stereotype of the large, large black woman. So her weight embarrassed me, even though she couldn't have been less in, like Aunt Jemima in that manner. Also, and this had to do with her, the work she put into her artistry, whenever she was really singing, Hard, let's you know, say like a swinging jazz song and improvising and scatting on television. She would use a white handkerchief because she was sweating. Oh. Now, there women were not supposed to sweat on television. Louis Armstrong sweated. Um, you know, men could, but this was if if you may remember this very distasteful word, unladylike. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, and that rattled me too because I also being black associated a black woman sweating with old stereotypes of you're on your knees scrubbing you're you know you're somebody's maid or domestic and what's interesting to me is she you know when you look at her now and and think about her you know nothing about her was close to those stereotypes really but they were so alive in the culture and they you know we girls were so profoundly shaped by all these you know forbidden you know ways to look or or act so it i i i it took me um being an adult and being a feminist to integrate you know, uh, all of these parts of her, her extraordinary talent and her resolute um, refusal to, um, you know, to play at being wildly glamorous. That was not what she was about. She was about being um, a serious and, and winning in her manner, but never ingratiating um, and never... Um, you know, kind of aggressively flirtatious. She was about being a musician. You know, there's a lesson in all of that, isn't there, about judgmental and 
appearances and oh and the reality that you came to know so deeply yes exactly and also how um susceptible um we are to uh to the stereotypes um that surround us and the and the verbotens and the <laughs> and the injunctions um this mm-hmm. is what this is what um you know an attractive interesting woman is we also we knew she was major as we knew Billie Holiday, Sarah Vaughan, um, other singers were major, but you know, they as singers, as women singers, they weren't always treated um, as seriously for their musicianship as male instrumentalists. So you know, I had I had to, and I chose to really, as I again got older and realized this this legacy in all forms of popular music of, of pioneering and great. Um, women singers, this has to be explored and um, given its full due. Well, and women in various professions still uh, are on the receiving end of some of that, aren't they? Absolutely. Um, take Being taken for granted, being somewhat condescended to. Um, it's been decades, and every woman I know who's ever been in a, in a formal business meeting, you know, whatever the profession, um, can tell a story about making um, a perfectly intelligent point and either having it taken over and co-opted by another man in the meeting or having it ignored. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes, 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 yes. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. So she was just that great first lady of song, or as you say, first lady of everything in some ways. You know, even in, at her very, in her very last years, 
she was joking, but, um, you know, she wore the thick glasses. She had great, a lot of trouble seeing. Her voice was wavering a bit, but she was still performing. But she said in one interview, well, she said, you know, um, what I may next do is see what I can make of this um, rapping and this hip hop. And I thought, and then she just laughed. You know, she wasn't even trying to be ingratiating. She was actually saying very sweetly, don't think there's anything I can't do. I will, <laughs> I will find my way to this. <laughs> well, she was a gutsy lady, too. She absolutely was. She made her way uh, really alone for many years. Mm. So do you have a favorite Ella Fitzgerald performance? Ah. Uh, that's it's difficult. Um, the, I have many loved ones, but one of the great ones um, is a 1960 live in Berlin performance she does of a song called "High How High the Moon" that was first written, you know, as a as a sweet, more ballad sort of song. But Ella you know, has her jazz musicians behind her, and she not only, you know, swings into it you know so it is it's as if you know it's with the vigor of of an astronaut how high the moon she quotes from 44 according to one jazz critic um his count seems to be right by by according to my count she quotes in the process of singing various verses of this song from 44 other songs um including The Flight of the Bumblebee Night in Tunisia Ferdy Grofay Old Old blues and ragtime songs up. She scats, she stretches out her lines. She can, she keeps inventing new songs with each chorus. And at the very end, and let's remember, just keep in mind how we were talking about her sweating. At the very end, she borrows um, from uh, Jerome Kern's song, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. And she oh. says, you know, they asked me how I knew. I, of course, replied, then her last line is, sweat gets in my eyes. That's <laughs> <laughs> thought, okay, a, tri a triumph and, and, and witty as well. Well, it sure sounds like one amazing performance, uh, all of the things that she introduced into it. Exactly, exactly. She could also, um, you know, sing a song. There are other versions of it that are just you know, gentle and lilting. There was never any one way that mm. she felt she had to do. Uh, you know, she's really sumptuous and languorous with the Duke Ellington songbook. Uh, you know, every, every songbook, every composer, every song gets its own considered, <laughs> gets, gets taken into the Ella Fitzgerald laboratory, musical laboratory. Well, I, I know that jazz has been such an important part of your life. What is it about the, the genre that speaks to you so personally? Ah, well, it's, it's the range of musics, um, of songs that it can draw on. It draws on blues. It draws on classical. Um, it draws, um, on, you know, very intense, um, you know, acute, flashy material. It draws on ballads. And it constantly encourages and emphasizes and flourishes by individuality. Every musician, you know, yes, you've got your technique, you know, you've got a repertory of, of uh, material, you've got your style, 
but you're always being encouraged to, um, at, at your best, to take it further, to try something new. And that is very moving to me, that, that sense of, um, of tech, of minds and hearts and imaginations, you know, in, in action. Mm. You know, um, just listening to you and how much you know about Ella, jazz in general, so much of that world. And, but what we also know about you that others may not is that you're one of the most famous critics to emerge from the New York Times. Well, I don't. I, well, well, let let bear with me on this because I've heard others say that you were uh-huh. one of the most extraordinary critics. Uh-huh. So, what is it? What is it about writing criticism? You know, we all read it. I think uh, we read these reviews. What sets a good critic apart? What when you threw yourself into that? What were you aiming to do? Um, I was aiming to combine. Uh, the materials of that my intellect, you know, produced that my senses very acutely produced, um, and so it's analysis. It's it's a kind of description that recaptures that that renews that gives the audience um, the the on site um, sensual description, and I wanted to. Um, keep questioning myself uh, to to walk an interesting line between um you know having a certain authority you have to otherwise why would you be a critic and why would you put the work in um having a kind of authority but also being open to um to to new questions being using um maybe um, ambiguity um uncertainty um to 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 help the reader um, think about the the range, the possibilities um, of art and entertainment, you know, to 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 to, to, to give coherence both to certainties and uncertainties. I also really wanted to keep um, testing my knowledge, you know, not to only stay, and I think that's important when you're a critic with the material, with the beat that you know best, but to bring your skills and tools, um, you know, to new territories. Mm -hmm. Did you hear a lot from readers when you were uh, doing your criticism, either agreeing with you or disagreeing with Um, you? Believe me, both. (laughs) (laughs) Very much both. Not to mention you'd, you'd get letters, but also, you know, there would be people who would use, who would leave long phone messages. (laughs) So... Uh, probably still a little more controllable than mm-hmm. you know critics getting responses immediately online now, but but absolutely, yeah. Um, and you know, I was a I was a black woman critic, so you know, in in some quarters that was considered ah exciting and groundbreaking, and in others it was considered a little disreputable. So so that affected who I heard from and and in what way. Yeah, I'm sure. But you certainly established yourself as one of the more famous critics uh, to emerge from the times. Well, you know, we've reached that point in our conversation that I always hate to reach, and that's we've just about run out of time. <laughs> but let me ask you, you know, there's so much in your writings uh, that explores racial and socioeconomic identity with these themes in mind. What makes you optimistic about the future? Because clearly we have so many challenges in these categories. Oh, 
um, with this in mind, um, race, gender, um, status, social, economic, mm-hmm. uh, just, justice and injustice, and knowing that we are all in many ways often very frightened and angry right now um, because there's so much uh, ugliness about uh, I think what helps me, um, gives me some hope, is the intensity of, for example, in um, the abortion crisis, the mm-hmm. range and the intensity of, um, of women uh, being involved. I would say the same thing about the attacks on voting rights. Um, you know, there's so much imagination as well as passion. Um, going into um, ways, finding ways to protest, to, you know, literally actively change the laws. Um, and also there are more, and this, this is heartening, there are more alliances being made across, um, across race and ethnicity, across gender divides, um, across class uh, barriers. There are more political um, alliances being made. And, and that is heartening to me because that means, um, you know, people are curious about each other and their, and each other's sufferings and struggles as well as their own. Well said. Thank you so much, Margot Jefferson. Thank you, uh, for sharing your insights with us, for making us so much smarter about <laughs> Ella Fitzgerald and jazz <laughs> and so much more. Thank you. All the best to you. I, this was a pleasure. Two amazing women, Ella Fitzgerald and Margot Jefferson. Here are three things I took from that delightful conversation. First, Margot reminds us that great dignity is sometimes the perfect antidote to the harsh realities of life. Ella Fitzgerald had a rough upbringing, but her singing was smooth, seamless, elegant. She never displayed her suffering, and that, says Margot, took pride and self-respect. Second, Ella shows how the true artist is always growing and trying new things. Toward the end of her life, she talked about experimenting with rap and hip-hop. Her real message was, don't think there's anything I can't do. Finally, Margot gives us cause for hope amid today's challenges. She takes heart when she sees people acting on behalf of their beliefs, when she sees alliances being made across barriers of race, ethnicity, gender, and class. As she says, those alliances mean that people are curious about each other and each other's struggles as well as their own. Tune in next time to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.